0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Band Hacks, a podcast designed to discuss the many ins and outs of band directing in the great state of Texas. I am Doug Fulwood, and with me is Jason Webb, and we are coming to you from the Royce City ISD Performing Arts Center in Royce City, Texas, just east of Dallas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy as we get into all. Welcome back to Band Hacks, episode four. Happy New Year, everybody. Jason, did you have a good holiday? It was great. Lots of rest and hanging out with the fam. How nice. was yours? It was It was good. We had lots of the same and ate some good food, probably too much of the good food, even though we told everybody not <laughs> to. I'm no, right there too. with you. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so now, you know, back into trying to take good care of myself uh, moving forward. So um, today, we are going to talk about contests, evaluation depending on your age and what you still call this because it used to be contest right Um, but now it's an evaluation and and so we're going to talk about music selection for your group and some things that you need to keep in mind as you kind of work through this process so for you Jason with your with your group right now what what are some goals you're trying to accomplish with your overall program that you're selecting for contest or UIL evaluation
1: well we haven't we haven't settled on our for sure program yet okay um but you know while i'm picking music right now i want to be thinking about what music do i like what music do the kids like um you know is this music going to be challenging for them is it going to be too challenging for them um is there going to be something in this piece that can't get accomplished this year due to either instrumentation or Mm. certain difficulties in different sections or parts and things like that but um you know I, i want the kids to have a good time in band Okay. I want them to um, improve on their instruments. I want them to improve as musicians as well. Right. Um, but but yeah, I mean we're we're going to be reading several pieces over the next couple of weeks, and and kind of going from there on on what the program is going to end up being.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's that's definitely a good good place to start. You know, one of the things that always was in my mind as I was programming was, you know, the the end rating. Right. Where where am I going to be? And I know a lot of people. Um, you know, your programs are beyond that point where it's like, it's, it's pretty much understood that your kids play as well as they do. You're going to arrive where you need to arrive provided that you program correctly. But some other folks, maybe your band program is in a state of transition or renewal, um, or you're trying to repair some things. And, and it may be that, you know, you're just trying to get that elusive first division, or it may be like we talked about in another podcast. Maybe the ratings at your school have not been great over the last couple of years, and you're just trying to see some improvement, you know. And I think I think all of that is really important to consider as we are you know looking at what we're trying to play for contest, and and then I also think too, I think we need to be really careful about selecting music uh, for contests, but then just simply using that music to teach the concepts that are in the music, if that makes sense.
1: Right. Or or determining the concepts we want to teach based on, like, hey, I really want to play this piece of music, but none of yes. my kids can double-tongue or triple-tongue. So That's right. I bet they can but, figure it out over the next <laughs> month or two.
0: Right. But I'm going to look like a monster conducting when this goes down. It's not going to sound very good, but, man, I'm going to look
1: good. Right. Oh, yeah. When you're listening to a recording of a piece and it just – oh, this is my dream piece to play yes. with this band, and I can just imagine myself doing that final cutoff and the, mm-hmm. the judge is standing up and clapping. Because they do that. Right, <laughs> yeah, for definitely. sure. Um, so, you know, if, if if you can get past those thoughts um, and, and get more... Um, into like the education part of it, and and the success part of it. Yeah. Um, can we can we help our kids be successful while getting them better at their instrument, getting them better at making music together? Um, you know, I don't think anybody goes into this thinking, "Oh, I really think I can get a three on that piece." Well, oh, we'll play that this year, right? You know, but um, well, let's hope they don't. Let's right, hope that's sure. not the plan. Right? Yeah, I just I, I really think that they need to get into um, thinking about. You know how can we be successful with this? Rather than man, this piece sounds fantastic. The kids are going to love this, yes. and and they're going to practice every day when they go home. And you know we'll be able to work out <laughs> this and this and this that they can't do already. Um, because the more the more you think like that, uh, the more frustrated you get towards the end of the the contest right. season when your kids uh, didn't practice as much as you thought they were going to, and didn't love that piece of music as much as you thought they were going to love it.
0: Yes. And and you know the other thing too is a lot of times, we we look at the music that we're playing for contest evaluation, whatever you want to call it, and we're in such a hurry to get to the music that maybe sometimes we don't necessarily build the conceptual ideas and fundamentals into our students that they've got to have to be able to play the music that we have selected. And you have to let that one sink in, like the kids didn't pick it unless you let them, right? Right. We selected that music. So there is a great burden of responsibility on us as the educator to know what our kids can handle and, you know, be able to put appropriate things in front of them. But not only that, be able to, in class, fundamentally teach them the concepts Mm -hmm. that they need to be able to achieve said music, you know. Now that varies with with each program, right? Um, whether you're you're teaching grade five literature, you're teaching grade one literature, it doesn't matter. Fundamentally, the kids have to have certain levels of basics in order to be able to achieve those things. And and so, you know, I think I think too, it's like not only is can I get this done in my rehearsal time, but what type of warm up exercises, what type of technique. What type of those things do I need to do to make sure that my students are successful with this program that I selected? Yes. Yeah. So, okay, well, let's talk about nuts and bolts. Like, what are this the basics? And some of you out there might be going, man, this seems kind of like, well, done." Okay, but here, here's the beautiful part about this. It is kind of well done in some cases. Where we struggle with this is where we are not able to step back and really evaluate what's in front of us. And go, maybe I shouldn't have done that, you know? So um, nuts and bolts of just selecting music. For me, things I was always looking at were things like, uh, what are the instrument ranges in this piece of music? So for me, like, I want to like the piece. I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy being in front of the kids, working on it. Like, I need to have some level of enjoyment for me. That's, that's part of being a band director, right? Right. The other part of it is being able to see your kids go from point A to point B on this journey that they're on to produce this beautiful musical product, right? A lot of people where they struggle is they will select a piece of music that sounds great on the reference recording. And they look at maybe a, a score or, you know, a couple of pages of the score on JW Pepper or whatever. The human being in this gets really excited about it. And then we go, we're going to do this. this is going to be awesome. And then we we bring the piece home or we order it. We put it in front of our kids and all of a sudden we've got all of these places in the read where from a sound standpoint, it's just not as good as some of the others. And then as we take a closer look, we're talking about things like ranges. Like we have, we have parts that are way out of our students comfort zone, either in the top part of the register, low part of the register. And that's not something we noticed when we picked it up because we weren't looking for ranges. We were looking for, Hey, what sounds cool. Right. right? Um, the other thing to consider, of course, obviously some of these, again, like I said, it's going to be really obvious rhythms. What can they do now versus what do you want them to be able to do? So if your kids, um, subdivide really well, maybe a lyrical piece is a good, good idea for you because they can feel the pulse. They know exactly where to move together. So the vertical alignment is not an issue. Um, if, if they struggle and they're, it's hard to count, they, they don't know how to count very well, um, then you're going to struggle with things like that or very complex rhythms that maybe they haven't had a chance to get into. You know, say you're working a middle school group and you throw down something with a bunch of 16th notes that they don't typically see. You right. Um, That's
1: where that that old saying comes in, where if you can't get through the piece in a rehearsal, then probably you're not going to be successful at a at contest.
0: Yeah. And, and I've heard that, too. And, and and I think I think, too, it helps if we will have somebody standing next to us while we're going through that piece and not only get our take on it, but also somebody else who was really listening hard. Right. You know. Um, OK, so back to nuts and bolts. Key Signature's time signatures do our students grasp the key and time signatures that we are trying to get into them do they play scales like are scales a fundamental part of what you're doing and and because if they're not and we're just going hey it's this key it's this this money note it's this whatever then again they don't grasp this conceptually they're simply playing a line and trying to make sure that they play the note that they marked first valve is first right um, you know, time signatures too, especially if you're getting into some more challenging literature, whether it, it changes meter quickly, um, and, or maybe you're doing a nine, eight or 12, eight or something like that, where, you know, you're, you do your students really know how to count those things? Or are you standing up there having to rote teach, you know, one lolly, two lolly, it goes like this kids, you right. know? And, um, and I think that,
1: you know, all of these are really good points of concern that we all need to ask Mm -hmm. ourselves but some of the things that we can we can plan ahead for are you know if I want my kids to be challenged and play a 9-8 piece and they're not super you know experienced playing 9-8 music um, you know as long as I'm not also picking a song where the the trumpets are having a triple tongue and they don't know how to do that. Right. And the flutes are having to play super high and they don't have to do that. Or right. I'm going to have to teach this baritone player how to be a or euphonium player. Sorry. I'm going to have to teach yeah, this boy, euphonium player. Save
0: that one. Did you? Yes.
1: <laughs> teach this euphonium player to, um, to play with a soloistic tone. And mm-hmm. you know, all of these concerns pile up. They and do. If it's something that, you know, I really want to play this piece because it's fantastic. I played it in college. Um, but all of those things are going to be a concern. I, you know, finding the time to fix everything right. and still be musical and still have fun and not, you know, beat the kids to death and all of that stuff. <laughs> right. You know, we, you have to take it into consideration for sure.
0: You do. And I, and I think too, it's really important to do that on the front end. You know, I, I don't oh, yes. think it's a good thing to get three weeks from contests and go, whoops. <laughs> yeah come on kids play this that I picked for you that I didn't do very well. Right. And, and we have to own that as directors. That's important too. uh, some other things to consider, you know, maturity of sound, uh, of your players. Right. And so, and we talked about ranges a second ago, do your kids sound mature in one register of the horn, but maybe not in another. Well, guess what we need to do outside of working on the music. We need to be doing some technique stuff. We need to be doing long tones. We need to be up in that range. We need to be telling our students, Hey, you should practice up in that range because you don't sound very good up in that range, you yes. know? And that's, that, that's been a common comment from students before is like, um, man, that's just really high. I'm just struggling to play that note. So what do they do? Well, they play all the other notes that they can't already play. And that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, and when you just kind of break it down like that, and you look at them and go, hmm, you're not great at playing high notes and you don't practice playing high notes and you're not great at playing high notes. Yep, that's a mystery, you know. I right. mean not really, you don't use that level of sarcasm, of course. But but the the thing about it is we as the directors, we know where the kids are individually and sectionally, and and we have to be able to give them fundamental exercises to be able to achieve the things we want them to achieve in all of the registers that are occurring here, you know. And the thing about it is like, well, yeah, that eight bars sounded great. That eight bars sounded really uncomfortable. Well, what are we going to remember? We're going to remember the part that was uncomfortable. That's, that's what we're going to focus in on, you know. Um, another thing is the depth of the parts. Um, and I don't mean depth in terms of the number of parts. What I'm talking about is, are the low voices doing something other than playing whole notes and half notes? Do they have some melodic content somewhere? Okay. Percussion. If you pick a piece of music that has, let's say, three percussion parts and you have 11 percussionists, my question for you is, do you allow them to work outside of your rehearsal time um, or excuse me, during that rehearsal time with a percussion instructor where maybe they can work on an ensemble or something? Maybe they can do something other than hit a triangle, a cymbal and a bass drum you know? And, and while the other eight stand around and stare at each other and, and that's really, really important. So, and I'm not saying don't select music. That's got few percussion parts. I think that's okay. Provided you're allowing for an overall okay experience. Now, if you're a one man show or woman show, you're the only person there. I think it, It does you some some good to make sure that your percussion kiddos are taken care of. That your low brass kiddos can do more than just whole notes and half notes because they're going to get very bored very very quickly. Right, and and
1: then you know even if you are a one man show, uh, we we probably need to find something for those kids to do worthwhile on their instrument anyways. Because if you do pick a piece that has eleven percussion parts, and you know one of those parts is the suspended cymbal, yes, that kid is not. (laughs) That's, know, that's exactly mastering right. mastering some of these other instruments.
0: That's exactly right. I yeah. mean, he gets to the point where they would rather play the, you know, trumpet and, and get the B flat correctly instead of, you know, the kid that can't do it right. That's been playing the horn for <laughs> right. years. Right. Yes. And yes, I did use trumpet on purpose. So, so I think all of those things, as we're sitting down and we're listening to music, you know, I think it's really important to be honest with ourselves, take the human part of it out for just a minute and go, okay, what can my kids really do? and if you're doing warm-ups and technique studies and those types of things in rehearsal which by the way we should all be doing um and there's a balance don't get me wrong i don't know that you necessarily want to spend a whole class period on technique because who wants to do that right so but but i think it's it's really really important to make sure that your kids understand that they've got to do certain skills in order to achieve these things in music that you have selected. And it's your job as a director to incorporate those into class periods. And then it's their job as a student to go home and work on it so that when they come back each day it's better, if that makes sense. So, you know, um, the, so the next thing let's talk about, let's talk about um, difficulty of music selection versus achievement. So essentially is the juice worth the squeeze? Right. Right. So, um
1: I I go ahead. No, sorry. I, I think it could depend on not just the level of the player, but also the age of the player. Because okay. um, you know, middle school students they typically haven't played, you know, grade four, grade five music. So some of their music is going to be a little bit less cool as they as they would say or, or less cool to us as band directors. Right. Um, so they're going to have, I don't want to say less buy-in, but they're going to be more, more content, I think with your choices of music, if they can play all of the notes. Yeah. And, um, and so it goes back to what you were saying, where we need to supplement and we need to, you know, make sure that we're teaching them how to get better at their instrument, how right. to be stronger musicians through all of the, Class period, you know, in the warm up and the technique package, and um, and in our corrals, as opposed to, hey, I'm going to play a grade three piece with my middle school band because they should be able to play this.
0: Right, that's exactly right. And you know, you bring up an interesting point, and we talked about this before too. You know, when COVID hit, I mean, it was like, oh my goodness, how are we going to manage this? And then we managed it to a degree, but when all of those kids came back. And especially the ones that were virtual, you know, now they're back and they're in person. There is a learning delay there. I'm not going to call it a learning gap. Um, I think it's a delay. There's a, a, a period of time that they have still, they still have to play catch up to a certain extent and they have to get to the place that they need to get to, right? Sure. And so... There's a balance between like, okay, here's this, this in-person student who maybe was here, they were here in every class, they never went out sick and they really have ramped up their performance technique. And then here's this other student who is just as important as this other student who was in, in person. And now our job as educators is to try to bridge that gap and get them caught up. And as we do those things, you know, we consider the nuts and the bolts, like we talked about, but we're also considering what's in the best interest of all the kids in the ensemble. And, you know, maybe that means that we get creative with some arranging. Maybe that means we get creative with, you know, changing some parts or adjusting some parts to a certain extent, you know, as long as we don't mess with the integrity of the piece of music. And, and again, our kids aren't the ones to make those calls and decisions that that's on us to, to figure that out. So, you know, if you can, you know find the balance between difficult enough to challenge but achievable enough to they're able to work on it and get better and grow and see that that growth over a, a small period of time if that makes sense yes um i don't i don't know any band student ever that really enjoyed going a measure at a time in a rehearsal and we've all done that like we've all sat in a rehearsal that was like that and we've all been in front of a band and done that with a band before do this measure right and and it's just not super enjoyable now don't get me wrong that doesn't mean that students um, will not kind of try your patience and not necessarily practice the things you tell them to so that's just part of the gig right but but i think it's really important that you know number one we show them confidence in their ability to do this like i'm gonna i'm gonna select this music for you because i know you can play this i know you can and it's not a matter now of if it's now just simply a matter of when if that makes sense right so um okay so lyrical pieces let's talk about this so how many times have you ever heard a group that played a lyrical piece that had no business playing a lyrical piece oh lots now what are the things that we look at in a lyrical piece where if a band is is not doing them appropriately, it is bothersome. What are those things? Uh, playing with good tone quality, absolutely. Because it's not a fast thing. It's not like well, it does not a great tone quality, but they finished it really soon, right? Right. Good tone quality, um, especially lyrical. We're talking about you know legato attacks. Mm-hmm. Are we attacking the same way, right? And then once we do, once we have started the note, and that's <laughs> it's funny on lyrical lyrical tunes, especially the very first note that occurs in a lyrical tune, usually is where a bomb's gonna go off if one's gonna happen, because nobody enters at the same time, right? And so that's something we really have to teach our kids how to do, And, and then the other thing is, we're playing notes, we're playing rhythms, but if my trombones are articulating in a manner that is contradictory to the trumpets, and they're playing the same rhythmic value, what I'm going to hear is the most aggressive of the contradiction. I'm not going to hear legato. If the trombones are murdering the the attacks, it doesn't matter what the trumpets are doing, right? Right. So I think it's really important to, you know, look at that with your kids and help them understand what is legato playing. And then the other part of it is being able to move together at the same time. We talked about subdivision earlier with a slow piece. Um, And then, again, it's not just about notes and rhythms. We have to have some level of, you know musicality and nuance and you know just a grasp a fundamental grasp of how this thing should go and those are typically the problems that we see when we have students that aren't quite ready to play a lyrical piece so if your kids don't play a lyrical piece on their evaluation uh i think that's okay you No, know, for sure there's a list for yeah. a reason right yes and and i know some of us especially us, us old guys are like well you know you need to have have a march and you need to have a lyrical piece and then you have a you know, programmatic, the fast, slow, fast, or whatever you do. That's fine. And I'm not saying there's anything in the world wrong with that. But what I am saying is your ensemble may not be in a place to do that. And so set your ensemble up to be successful by taking a look at, do I need to play a lyrical piece? Can, is this something I can accomplish? Is this something my kids can accomplish? And if it is, fantastic. Because it's certainly a style. Like They need to know how to play slow, pretty yes. music. No doubt about that. But, um, you know, again, it's what can they do? Well, what can they be successful with? And not on the first day you pass the music out, but what can they work through this period of time and be successful with, you know? Um, and, and I think the other, the other part of that too is I used to look at my calendar when I would pick the the piece. I go, okay. I've got this many rehearsals and I know, I know you do this, Jason, oh, I'm for sure, you, you yes. know, to the day, how many rehearsals you have between this point and whatever the next performance is. Right. Yes. And, and we, we evaluate that and we know, and, and it's really quick. You start taking three pieces of music and really long pieces of music, um, you know, and, and you look at the time you've got, and then you factor in COVID on the top of it and go, I wonder if we're going to have some people that are going to be out. Well, of course you will. Like, we're all going to do that. You as a director may be out, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you factor all of those things into your, your decision-making process so that things are, to the best of your ability, accounted for. And that way, you can honestly say, regardless of how the rating falls, that you did the best you could to set your kids up to be successful once it's all said and done. You were going to say something.
1: Uh, I was just going to say on, on the lyrical piece mm-hmm. the the old quote that I had said before, where if you can't get through the piece, you know, then you're probably <laughs> not going to be successful. Most of us can get through a lyrical piece with our with our band on on our level. You know, if we yeah. play grade threes or right. grade fours, we can get through a lyrical piece in a in a rehearsal. But you do have to be honest with yourself about you what do. you're hearing. Um, you do. If your kids don't grasp levels of musicality like direction of line and phrasing and legato tonguing and all of those and things releases that you mentioned. And yes yeah mm-hmm. if they don't grasp those concepts then you know it's there's a good chance that your group's going to play a lot of right notes in that piece and a lot of right rhythms mm-hmm. but it's just going to sit there that's right and if it just sits there and and there's no musical like lyrical line going through it that that you know, makes you feel what you feel when you listen to that reference recording, Right, right. then, um, you know, you're probably going to get lit up on the judge's sheet.
0: You very well may. You very well because may.
1: Because most of the, most of the lyrical pieces are not in the grade three, grade four, grade five level because they have difficult
0: rhythms. Right. Right. And, and, you know, one of the things too is I, I was always very cognizant of the time my program was going to take to play from first note to last note on contest day, very, very cognizant of that. And I did not like playing really lengthy programs. And I know there's there's guys that are gonna be listening to this that they're like, well, the first time I went through my whole performance, start to finish, was the day of contest. cool. If that's what you wanna do, that that's fine. If you can do that and your kids can do that, that's awesome, more power to you. I never wanted to do that. I always wanted to know that when I hit the stage, even if I didn't have my kids didn't have the best performance, there was still not going to be a doubt as to what the ratings should be. And there wasn't going to be this. My kids going oh man, that was just garbage. You know, that was that was always really important to me. And uh, it also will do you a lot of good in terms of sleep before contest night. Yes, Because you're like, my kids can play this. I know they can. We're just going to go in and perform
1: And now. that's your, is the juice worth the squeeze? I mean, I know that when we listen to those reference recordings of the President's Own or the Army's Pershing Zone, you know, yes. and, and, and we they're, listen to that. They're think, not bad. Right. Yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> it, when we listen to those and we think, oh my goodness, this is going to be me conducting this and this is how this student is going to sound after they practiced for the last three months every day. Right. And and when you get to that moment uh, and you're stressing out big time on it, you um, just for it to still sound like a really good high school band yes. when you could have picked something that, um, like you said, when you go on stage, if you don't have the best performance that you've ever had in your life, you still are. Hey, that's, that's probably a first division.
0: That's or, exactly right. And, you know, kind of, kind of going back to nuts and bolts one, one that I, I neglected to mention, but is, is also important is, um, you know, just the overall intonation and understanding what the problem notes are on each individual instrument, right? And we're not even talking about chord intonation at this point, we're just simply talking about your kids know what the problem notes on the horn are, that they know how to do the alternate fingerings or make adjustments, and And also, if you're a young director, do you know those things and are you able to teach them? Um, Because that's a big old ball of things they don't typically show you in college unless that's your major instrument. You know, we we used to do methods classes, which I don't know how it was, you know, in Arkansas. But for us, it it was not a super in-depth it was basically a scratching the surface and Hey, hopefully you'll have a woodwind counterpart or a percussionist, you know, I'm pretty sure that's how it was, but I didn't take methods classes. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot you were a performance major. So, so anyway, um, but, but I think being able to know those things as you're looking at the score. Like, for example, I think it's Pevensey Castle. Um, it starts with a, an A, second space A in the clarinet. It's the first note that we hear. Mm-hmm. And and I, in my infinite wisdom, decided to program that my first year as a headband band director. And, oh, well, my goodness. The recording you listened to was probably good, right? It was an amazing recording, absolutely. Yeah, I love the piece. And, um, and some of you may be like, I don't like that piece. And that's fine, too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny how directors can sometimes have a an opinion of a piece of music after they've performed it. And I think that's okay. I think you can form a piece uh, or an opinion of a piece of music after you've played it. But it's amazing how many guys don't, don't do well with something. And they're like, I hate that piece. That piece is garbage.
1: That's why I want you to come up um, for the next Christmas concert and conduct Santa Meet Sousa for me. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Because I think that after you conduct it,
0: that, that you'll love no it. i'm not doing
1: that no. oh wait you uh, did
0: conduct it didn't you okay we're not going to get into that story <laughs> the story when you were sick and missed an entire concert and and you got to conduct, yeah, yeah and had not had like one second with your band thank you so much <laughs> for that that was a lot of fun um and in the green on your face like you were so sick it matched the backdrop of the stage it was oh, fantastic. Really nice. yeah it's good stuff um okay so let's talk about uniformity for just a second and I don't mean in terms of what we look like I'm talking about the way that we again attack the notes we play through the note bodies and we release the notes do you have a specific approach to that is it um, do your kids know what to do when you have a normal accent a marcato accent if you see a staccato you know, thing, or tenuto marking, do your kids understand how to approach those in different settings? If the answer is no, then that is one of the first things I want to encourage you to go take a look at because without that uniformity of attack, what comes off the stage is a big old mess of a lack of vertical alignment, whether it is or not. Um, I'll tell you something else too um, with regard to, let's, let's talk about note bodies. If I have a trombone player playing third position, and then I have a trombone playing 3.25, then that's going to create a major tuning issue, right? And they should be able to hear that. And and if you don't teach them the wah, 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 wahs between the instruments are a bad thing, then they're just gonna throw it out there. I mean, I've I've been in a number of situations where I'm looking at a score, I'm listening to a band, and I see, hey, that's an E natural. And um, it sounds like an E flat's being played it's not because the kids are intentionally playing any in flat. It's because they don't know exactly where second position is and they don't to know how to make adjustments. That's, that's a very easy thing for your audience that has, you know, music education to go. That's a wrong note. It's going to be crunchy and clash. And it's just, you're talking about a matter of what, you know, half an inch to three quarters of an inch of silver of an adjustment between the two kids to make it sound the way it's supposed to, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So the other thing is, um, and that's, that's just talking about intonation through note bodies while you're sitting there and holding them. The other part of it is tone quality what do we sound like? Like we've attacked the note. We've achieved it. We didn't blip it. We hit it. And now we're pushing, right? We're moving directionally through the note. Are we waving? Is it a good quality tone all the way through? Is there any question in your mind that it's going to change at any point? Because if there is, if you hear it getting ready to change, that means it's about to and believe it or not, when we sit out in the audience and we hear those things, we can hear things almost do certain things. It may not completely do it, but what it what it does is give us a picture of inconsistency. And so it's really, really critical that your kids understand, you know, note values need to be full, valued, well played, in tune, center of the pitch notes. And that every time one of those is not done, it creates again, a feeling of inconsistency and it doesn't really matter what section it's in. It's just like that that block of sound is not what it should be. It's like got something chiseled out of it, if that makes sense. And, and I'm not even talking about like on the highest level. I'm talking about with your seventh grade band, okay? Teach kids to play with appropriate attacks. Check them, okay? Just because you tell them To do it this way does not mean that they're doing it you need to check them you need to look at their faces make them pull the mouthpiece off be able to see what the mechanics are um, so that you can help them get to where you want them to be Uh, you know as you're playing um, through the note are there weird changes that are happening in the face are they puffing their cheeks are they moving their tongue around? what what extra tension is being created while they're playing through that note body by other things that really shouldn't be a thing, you know? Right. Um, and I, I don't know if, if you have any more to add on on the, the note body thing. No, I mean, that's just
1: a lot more stuff, If you know, with, with the puff in the cheeks and the the steady tones and the good note body to start Mm -hmm. and nice attack and nice release and hitting the, the pitch consistently. All of those things are things you need to take into account when you're, when you're picking the music.
0: Right. And you know, and I releases are another thing too. When when we say release, a lot of us kind of feel like releases, well, the end of the phrase or the end of this or the end of that. And, And it is, but in many cases it could be the end of an eighth note and it could be something that is you know basically harmonic in nature there's multiple notes and it can't be it it's got to have some tone quality to it and some resonance and then there's got to be an appropriate release at the same time you know and and those are things that even your younger kids can learn how to do you don't have to wait until they get to high school you can teach them and show them but they have to know that and so when when i when I was always talking to my kids, I would always try to make it as simple as possible. Because again, like we've talked about, if there were seven ways to explain something when I was in school, I needed the eighth way, right? (laughs) So I was always about how do we attack, how do we play through the note body, and how do we release in every single part of the music. And then once you have that, Now we can start talking about musical line and direction and taking it places and making, you know, our own educated adjustments on, um, you know, style and things that we like. You know, some people, when you play a march, everything, we say, okay, let's just cut it in half, right? I don't particularly subscribe to that personally I want to make sure there's resonance everywhere like for the last note to be a little bit longer mm-hmm. that's just my own personal thing oh and one other thing a lot of the things we're talking about for every person that I I can find that will agree with what we're saying I will find you someone who's like nope I don't like that that's not right and that's okay <laughs> like that's totally fine the, the main thing is whatever your approach and your method is it needs to be the same it needs to be the same. The kids need to demonstrate musical understanding when they do their performance, and and they're not gonna. It's like okay, well, we'll we'll work on this music really hard, and then we'll have a clinician in two weeks before, and then we'll start really working musical things in. No, <laughs> that does not work.
1: And if this is if, if all that stuff you were saying about about the body of the note and the attack and the release, mm-hmm. if those are things that that you don't have a specific approach to, and that your kids can't answer those questions. Right then you know picking something where it you're you're exposed in certain sections right. and those things are going to be um, you know emphasized to the judge off the stage it, right. it's going to really stick out to them then those are things that you can easily work on in your warm up yes. and in your technique packet and shelve your you know, favorite piece that, oh, I've always wanted to do this piece right here, but they're going to have to learn to do this and this right. and this and this. Shelve that piece until next year.
0: Definitely. And, and the other thing, too, is, like you were talking about working on those things, I've, I've seen a lot of directors do that. We all love the blue book, right? We, we all go to that articulation study, and we just do that, and we just do that, and we just do that. You, there's got to be some real-world application beyond that. Sure. And so, okay, what are we going to work on today, kids? We're going to work on Marcato accents. Great. Wonderful the piece of music that you pull out needs to have some of what you just worked on in it as well. It's not like we're going to work on our marcato accents today and then we're going to go play, um, you know, seal lullaby. That doesn't work. It just does not work. And, and so again, where you can connect those dots conceptually, I think it will really help. You know, for me, I always liked using, um, you know, da or or ta or T or two, all of those, wherever, wherever I could get, the sound that I wanted out of my students, that would be the syllable that I would use and go, Hey, let's try this. And, and the other thing I would do is like have students that like were really solid on the part. And I knew that's like, I love the way they're playing. it, I'd be like, okay, play that for me. Okay. Trumpets, you match that. Notice I use trumpet again. Right. Oh, yes. So, but, but again, for every, um, for every articulation, you know, that gets used, someone else will have a different way of doing it, a different, thing. Well, no, no, don't do that because that's not correct. Okay, fine. Not going to get into all of that. We all have our own, you know, idiosyncrasies about what we like to do um, in terms of the articulation. But again, it's so critical that the students know what the process is. They know what sound they're looking for to be able to get to the product that you really want.
1: Um, Right. And, and some of the, I know you were talking about having kids demonstrate um, and and you know we have several directors that demonstrate in class on yes. their instrument and yes. it sounds fantastic. I also like to demonstrate what I'm hearing from the students, even if it's wrong.
0: Yeah, and, and you do so, a really good job of that too, because like what you'll do is you'll you'll demonstrate what they're doing, and then you'll tell them how you're getting the sound that they're getting. Yes, and and that's super. That's that's really important because the kids, you know, uh, believe it or not, your students' ears are not as well developed as yours. So they may not hear the airy tone or they may hear the tone quality and they may not know that it's bad or they may know that it's bad and have no idea why it sounds like that. Right. And
1: then and, you know, just watching your director do it. You know, if 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 I want to make that sound on a staccato Mm -hmm. note and show them that, you know, what what tone is this? Right. You hear the tone of that note versus a ta? and you can hear it ring in the room. Yes. And there's not much difference. You know, it's not like I pushed in this slide or pressed this button down right. or, or took a better breath. You know, it is a, it, it's just an easy fix that if they will pay attention to it more then they will consistently get better at it. It's not going to go from, Oh, this was like unbelievably bad to just right. fantastic. You should go audition for all these professional orchestras or whatever.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's important to let them know that too, right? When you learn to do something for the first time, it didn't just happen overnight. Well, maybe you playing trumpet did, but the, the average yes. person does not just like immediately get. So they they need to understand it's kind of like working out bodybuilding. They're essentially building their chops. They're building their, you know, their lung capacity. They're building all these different things and it will take some time. Right. Yes. And unfortunately, kids are super impatient uh, at times that's why it's so critical we get them you know at that very first year and get them excited about what they're doing and really really pour into them good quality information so that they can really develop into the players that we want to see them develop into
1: right and some of that stuff if you um, you know if you show them the the bad and then the good and show them how easy it is um, and and you can get them to do it a little bit better each mm-hmm. time yeah yes it is going to take time to do it but but as far as um you know, working on it and knowing if they're doing it correctly or, or not, it can, it can be like a light switch sometimes. Yes. That, that okay. I was just completely like, I was just tonguing these notes, and now <laughs> I'm thinking more and I'm getting my air moving. Right. Okay. Oh, that time wasn't as good. So they can start being, you know, their, their teacher with it as well, much less, um, or, yeah. or not, not, not just, Hey, will you listen to me play this and tell me if I'm tonguing better? Right.
0: They be, they begin to develop the ears and the ability to hear what you're hearing. Maybe not to the same degree, but they hear they hear a lack of quality, right. and they know what it should sound like. And and again, I mean, and those are all things that you take care of in class. You know. Um, okay. So pitfalls of over programming. Why do we not want to over program? So I will tell you from my own experience every time i've over because i have before i always ended up regretting it and it maybe wasn't necessarily because the rating wasn't what i wanted it to be it was because the performance didn't come off the way that i really wanted it to like i could tell my kids didn't necessarily feel good about it when they got done you know right and and so i think that's one thing you have to remember is like we've talked about before this should be fun and enjoyable right and so you you get on stage you have that performance regardless of what happens, you want them to just be done and just amazingly proud of the work they put into it, right? And and w- it's very, very easy to, to work tons and tons and tons of hours on a piece of music that you were never going to achieve at the high level based on your group, you know? Right. But, but, you know, y- you have to kind of get your crystal ball out at the beginning and go, uh... I'm not sure if this will work or, you know, and you're or live with it for a few days and see how it goes. There are some pieces out there that the first couple of weeks you play them sound like absolute garbage and it takes a while for them to come back around. And then there are others that you start them and they sound like garbage from measure one all the way to the end. And well, that's not when you want to play, you know, those types of things. And,
1: you know, I know that, that we, especially in April, we, we all talk about how, well, it's not the rating that matters, you know, I'm going to program to the rating and everything. Sure. Um, however you know the 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 students know what the rating means as well they do they and do. um success feels good it does and if they if they play something that's a little bit easier than what you wanted to originally program and they make first divisions yeah it's going to feel better than if they played something that you thought that they were going to have this you know, Carnegie Hall president's (laughs) own feeling when they left the stage and they made a two, three, three. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's not going to feel good. It's not going to feel good to you just because you programmed it. It's not going to feel good to them just because they did what you said and learned a harder piece That's right. uh, and didn't necessarily put in the practice that they should have. Right. Um, and it's not going to feel good knowing that, Hey, we just made a two, three, three. Now, if, if you're at a school right now or at a, um, you know, a younger school and, you've either never been to UIL or you've taken a couple of years off like we have mm-hmm. yep. or, um, or, you know, they've been, you, your band's been making lower ratings, mm-hmm. you know, then it doesn't necessarily need to be, Hey, we're going to pick this, you know, the easiest possible thing on the list so that right. we can make straight ones.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think that's an excellent point because that is not at all what we're saying. So if that's what you're, you're getting from this, like backup, that's not what right. we're talking about. We're, we're talking about meeting your kids, where they are programming smart make there, there is some stress associated with this experience but make it an appropriate level of stress that benefits the performer that benefits the conductor that we can all have a mutually beneficial experience right not oh i want to make sure i get my first division, so i'm going to play you know flat major scale and whole yeah. notes canon style. Mickey Mouse March right exactly um you know that, that's an excellent point and,
1: and and i think that you know I, i'm kind of in this situation a little bit and i know that we're all in different situations with regards to like what we did last year or what sure. COVID did to us um but like right now this year the top band the only kids in that group that have been to uil right uh, concert and sight reading are the senior class and a couple of freshmen right um Everybody else hasn't done it, so to you know to throw at them like, "Hey, we're going to do this and not be successful right. with it," um, would be you know would be bad. But also, right now because of the you know the the rules for this year, mm. we could play a grade three and a grade two. Right, and um, and normally we had to play a four and a three. So right. this year we could play. Uh, the last year you were the director of bands mm. here, you played two grade fours. Right. Um, but to drop that to a three and a two right now for our top band, right? Um, I, would, I would have kids rebelling against me Absolutely. just so that we could say, hey, you know, we, we've had some kids that have been out with COVID. And, that's exactly you know, right. And we haven't gone to contests. So I think we're going to do these two pieces, the easiest grade three and the easiest grade two right. on the list.
0: Yeah. And, and I think too, um, you know, having high expectations is, is very important. So don't, don't take this whole session as we're saying lower expectations because that's not it at all. You have to meet your kids where they are, you know, and regardless of of why they are where they are. And it may be that if they need some remediation, then you need to find a creative way to do that. Because nobody likes to go back into the sixth grade book and relearn stuff the same way they did two years ago. Oh, my goodness. You know, I mean, the kids get very resentful when when you have that. And, And so you have to get creative with those types of things, too. But it's also a gut check moment. It's like, okay, why can't my kids do what I need them to be able to do? And is it, is it as a result of the pandemic? Is it as a result of your teaching? Is it a result of their effort? Is it a combination of all of them? Like, yes, all those things mix into the equation. But again, the solution to the equation still has to be what is in the best interest of my students educationally, musically? And and again, like we've talked about before, we want them to keep playing their horns. Yes. That that is the goal, right? It's not the get a rating at, at UIL. I and mean, yes, that's if we're going to compete, we're going to compete to do well. But the goal is to make sure that we're building great humans that love music. And you know, there's so many different skills that that our activity does that, that many just do not. I mean, kids learn so much, um, you know, over in the fine arts realm, uh, and, and especially, you know, in, in the band realm where they have to be a certain place with certain things at a certain time with things prepared. And, you know, you kind of, it's all just a big exercise in life skills and learning how to be a successful human essentially. So, um, you know, the other, the other, thing about over-programming is you don't get to, it it won't come back. Like you don't get to do it over, you know? And so like if you're a month before contest or five weeks, you're like, man, this isn't really going well. Don't be afraid to, you know, email that executive secretary and make a change provided it's within the appropriate guidelines. Make the change if it's what's in the best interest of your kids to have a great experience. Um, And the other thing too is I think you can play some harder stuff on concerts. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nope. You still want to have the high expectations and high standards, but it's not as stressful in terms of, you know, them trying something um, without a judge's ears on them, you know? Right. And, and so that, I, I think that's okay too. You know, you video it, you record it you listen to it. And again, it's just exercise and growth. Right. So, all right. Uh, because,
1: Go. because that good feeling, you know, like, like the Christmas concerts,
0: uh, right, you know, when I had to conduct Santa Meet Susan because right. you were sick. Yeah. Right. If the
1: Christmas concert is not, you know, every single note is perfect and everything's in tune mm-hmm. and, you know, this kid forgot to come in and that kind of fell apart a little bit, you're still right. going to have all of the the audience, the parents. Right. And, you know, administrators come up to you and say, oh, my goodness, it was just <laughs> so unbelievable. Yes. Um, and so that, that feels a lot better on spring concert and, and Christmas it concerts does. than it does it does <laughs> from a judge's perspective.
0: It does. And but I do think too, you know, when you, you hit those milestones in your, your journey as an ensemble, you celebrate it and you set the next high expectation, right? Yes. And so, you know, I like I said, I know there's a lot of you out there that are like, you know, it's your your students play at the level where the question is not what the rating's gonna be, the question is how great is this going to be? You know, and, and, and that's a, that's a fun place to be. Um, another fun place to be is I'm going to challenge my kids appropriately and I'm going to get them from point A to point B and we're going to be happy about it when it's done. And that's also a really great place to be there. There's great lessons to be learned in both situations. Oh yeah. So, and you know,
1: this is this is hard. It, contest, oh yeah, con- contest yes. program selection is hard. Yes. So I would say um, if you haven't already reached out to one of your mentor teachers mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, what do you think of this piece?" Um, you, you probably should because there's there's several things uh, right now. You know, if if COVID hasn't hit your school, we still have this the the issues with. Well, I've got this great trumpet section, and I've got this great trombone section. Yep. But, uh, you know, the contrabass cerusophone section is not going to be able to play this part Wait, unless wh- they work.
0: Contrabass cerusophone? What is <laughs> yeah, You don't like that? Do they have those in cans. Like <laughs> I not d- section? I wasn't aware. That's yeah. A- no, that's great. No, we got like four of them. Do we? So,
1: <laughs> so but, but you don't want to pick something that the contrabass cerusophone is not going to be able to play. Right. Just because you have an awesome trumpet and trombone section. However if I pick something that, okay, my contrabass cerusophone section, you know, can only play whole notes. So, but I found this great grade four. Mm -hmm. that's just whole notes and they're fantastic at it. And then your trumpets and trombones are at this higher level and they just all want to quit band.
0: Because they're bored out of their minds. Because they're
1: bored out of their minds. So, you know, there's something to be said for just listening to all of the pieces on on the list and, you know, maybe Mm going to some place and looking at all of the scores while you listen to everything. Yeah. But, um, but, you should reach out to a mentor definitely
0: yeah and especially if they play the piece before that's always great information because they can point out all the pitfalls to you before you encounter them yourself
1: and it'll it'll save you time uh and and potential embarrassment if you if you talk (laughs) to the mentors before you pick your music and then have them out to clinic your band yes because that is true you know if if you're clinicking, if, if somebody's clinicking your band and they're talking about all of the stuff that you're talking about with note body and attacks mm-hmm. and releases and direction of line, and all that stuff, um, to to the extent of, hey, we're playing this lyrical grade five or lyrical grade four piece, um, then you're probably, uh, it's probably too late at that point.
0: Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, it is. And, and any meaningful changes that might be suggested, you don't have time to work them into what you're doing. Right. You know, so that's why as far as clinicians go, I know there's there's a couple of schools of thought out there, one of which is I'm going to get my band ready for a clinician. And the other is I want a clinician to come in and just see what I'm doing. And I like that one uh, more because it allows somebody to come in and give me, hey, here's this framework of six or seven things you need to address before I come out again. You know, but if I give you that two weeks before you go to UIL or whatever your contest is, that's going to be a problem and it's probably gonna fall on deaf ears and depending on the time of year, you may throw that out the window and move right on to your next thing, thus repeating the cycle. Right. So you just have to be really careful. So let's, let's wrap this up. So some re- reflective questions for you, things that you could ask uh, yourself and ask your kids um, and your staff. How will this program that I have selected showcase my students' strengths, right? How will we be able to show off, like you were talking about a trumpet section, trombone section. Okay.
1: The conductor. Can I look very like just right. Awesome. Conducting this. piece. Right, right. Yeah,
0: I- exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, how will this program that I have uh, selected as well as the supplemental material I'm going to use to conceptually connect the dots, how will it improve our weaknesses? Our contrabass ceruzofone section section it is section, a section, yeah, right? Okay, a section. I just want to make sure. Um, so, what what things in here can we go okay my students can't quite do but with some supplemental material and this music that they like we're going to be able to bridge that gap right Mm -hmm. um and then i think i think the the final one that you have to look at is where is this program in the let's call it the linear evolution the the year timeline of the band program okay so for example you know When I first started here, it was we're going to play a grade four and we're going to play a grade three. And we're playing that grade four because we have no choice. We have to play that grade four. We weren't necessarily ready to do it, you know. But then as we start stepping up, we get up into, okay, we didn't do so great with that program. We're going to come back with a four and a three, okay, did better. Then we're going to come in with a harder march than what we've ever played, a four and a three. And that went really well. Now we're going to bump up to all fours, right? Right. And then the year that we shut down for COVID, right, Emily's, right. Emily's senior year, my daughter's senior year, we were getting ready to play a four and a five um, and, and a march that, that was really, really cool. It's a, a Vander march uh, called Wedding March, which, by the way, um, not, n- not getting paid by that guy or anything, but for those of you that are um, – you're like, I hate traditional marches. I don't like them. Take a look at some of his stuff. It's not traditional. Uh, be careful that you say that around because some of the older guys will get really grumpy with you and go, how can you not, you know, uh, give homage where homage is due. But, but if you're like not into that stuff, um, on the higher level, Vanderus has got some really cool things out there. Um, if you're not wanting to do Sousa or Fillmore, or those kind of kind of things. Um, so where, where is this program in the big scheme of things and how does it compare to what you've done in the past? Are you meeting your kids where they are? Are you setting everybody, including yourself up to be successful? I, I think those are really, really critical things, um, to take a look at. And you know, the, the thing is, if you'll take that approach, then you will have a way to gut check yourself as you go through all of these these items and go oh, what about the rhythms and yeah, i don't think my kids are quite ready for that i need to move on to something else sure. you know and and so again i think sometimes as the directors we get into this place where we go well i'm the director i'm just going to pick what i'm going to pick without asking anybody what they think <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't end very well usually so now um i know this was a little bit um let's call it General, it was general and specific in some ways. Um, Understand that we're trying to, you know, basically resonate with everyone we understand you're all at different levels and we also don't want this to be longer than an hour. Um, And so we're not getting into super hyper specific things. We will do that as time goes on. We start talking about cleaning music for contests and things that we're looking at. Um, We'll definitely do that. But if you've noticed what we've tried to do is kind of take our band director timeline and make the podcast applicable to, What we're all kind of going through as the year progresses and so again we we would love your feedback we'd love to hear from you um you know about what you think um things we should cover um you know other instruments that jason needs to make up and you know just sure. will into existence we'd be happy to happy to hear from you
1: and if you have any questions about uh, music selection music selection mm-hmm. we would be happy to help you with that sure. or and, and if we're not able to on certain pieces we can, there's there's some we can find you there's somebody a lot that of can. people in band hacks right yeah now. and
0: band hacks we have 745 people as members and there like I said on the first con uh, first podcast there are some absolute legends of band, um, yes. legends of band in that group that are willing to help, uh, just willing to talk and, and message and be able to help you uh, achieve your goals. One, one thing that
1: I would like to see if, if we could get this going on, on Facebook and band hacks, sorry, um, is, is, you know, I've seen a bunch a bunch of lists of, hey, I have this, you know, this instrumentation. What would be a good grade one to play? Okay. What would be a good grade two to play? We've seen a lot of those lists. Sure. But what would help us here at Roy City as well, and our middle schools and high school, and and you know, our first, second, third band, um, would be if we could make a list of, of marches that yeah. say, you know, my band is playing two grade twos. What, sure. What marches fit that program really well? Right. Or they're right. playing two grade threes. What marches would fit that program really well?
0: Yeah, and you know, that that's an excellent point too new music is being written constantly. Yes. There's always new stuff that's out there, you know? And so definitely take a look at, um, all the new stuff that's coming out. I know there's several composers that are really being intentional with, uh, diversity and making sure that people from, you know, different backgrounds, different genders, different, all the things are represented in the programs that they're playing, you know? And, and I think that, um, you know, diversity is important. I think that, being able to allow the new, um, new composer. Sorry about that. My other computer was running guys, but being able to allow the, uh, the composer world to, you know, be a group of just creative individuals that want to make great music for kids. I mean that to me, that's one of the things I love about our profession. So, you know, take a look at uh, the new stuff. Don't be afraid to play the new stuff, um, you know, and don't be afraid to play the old stuff either. Just, realize, um, you know, sometimes there are some preconceived notions about some of those things. And again, talk to your mentor. They'll be able to tell you where those things oh, are. Yes. So um, anyway, what else you got, Jason? You about no, on? That's, that's it. All right, cool. Well, again, sorry for that, that computer ringing in the background there, guys. Uh, we appreciate you spending your time with us. Uh, again, like Jason said, reach out if we can be of assistance to you and have a great week back.